What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Locked On Bucks. And as promised, I have Jim Paschke alongside me. So we're going to have some fun today. We're going to talk about the Bucks this season. We're going to talk about this series upcoming with the Bulls. It's going to be a fun episode. Let's get started. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Welcome to Locked On Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman. You can see and hear me on this show Monday to Friday and also find my other work over at ESPN. And uh, as I said, joining me, a man that really doesn't need any introduction at all, Jim Paschke, a man that I just mentioned to you, Jim, until this year, hardly ever watched a Bucks game without your voice. So you uh, were a massive part of me enjoying the Bucks and, and enjoying the NBA as well. So as I said, no introduction needed, but it is. Very nice to catch up with you. Very nice to see you. Well, thank you for the kind words. It's great to be with you, Kane. And same thing for me, right? I didn't watch a lot of Bucks basketball other than being at courtside calling the game. <laughs> so now I'm on my couch here in my den, and uh, it's a different ball game altogether. But uh, it's been a lot of fun. So you mentioned to me, and I was laughing about this at home, and uh, I was talking with uh, my co-host yesterday about uh, you saying this because I, I reached out and said, are you interested in doing this? And I wasn't sure if this was something you still wanted to do. Of course, uh, knowing you, you said yes straight away. Uh, but you also told me that you had to do some preparation. And this was, the, this was what I was laughing at because I've seen you before games, whether it's in Milwaukee or on the road, and you've got your massive pile of notes, you're doing all your preparation. So now... Kind of like me here in Australia, you watch the games. I, I don't know whether it's on the couch or the restaurant, wherever it is, but you can put your feet up. You can relax. So how is the how is this experience of watching games? Because it is very unusual for you. Well, it is. I, I watch games and I see things that I would comment on yes. and I can't comment on them. So I do see the game at a similar level to what I was doing before, but I'm not plugged in to the degree I was. I don't study every day. I don't read, you know, 50 articles every day like we used to to get ready and uh, talk to people. I haven't been to a practice. So uh, my enjoyment level of the sport is the same. It's just a little quieter. And, um, you know, I do worry about my knowledge compared to what people expect from me because of what I did for 35 years. But, uh, you know, that being said, I still enjoy Bucks basketball and I've watched an awful lot of basketball this year. Okay, so what what about... Uh, watching the Bucks from this different vantage point. And you do, when you don't have to go back and watch the opposition game from two nights ago and understand everything that's going on with your team. And right. you can just sit back and say, okay, now I'm relaxing. I'm watching Giannis do what he does on a nightly basis. So is is, the, is that part of it? Uh, has to be enjoyable, I'd imagine, because you know, watching Giannis, uh, the Bucks have been great, obviously, for a number of years now. But the night-to-night experience of just sitting back and enjoying what Giannis does for me is still the most enjoyable thing about watching the Bucks right now. Well, that's a fact. And uh, every night is special with him on the court. And I think he's had his best season again. That's the amazing thing to me. I've watched him very closely all season. And he's had 
perhaps, well, he's had his highest scoring season and he's had a very efficient season, perhaps his most efficient season in his career. So he is a marvel to me. He continues to be amazing to me. And uh, I don't know, how do you keep getting better, you know, forever? I, I don't know how you do that. And so far he's done that. So yeah, it's just incredible, really. Yeah, I've stopped trying to say what maybe he won't be able to do because he probably will do it. But what have you saw this year in particular with him that that is the obvious improvement? And there are some things that, that everyone will be aware, but uh, you're right. It's, it's weird to see a guy just continually evolve. I've never seen anybody who improves in perpetuity before. And uh, obviously <laughs> there'll, there'll be an end to that at some point. Um, you know, that turnaround jump shot in, uh, in the post is something that uh, I've noticed that he's developed a little bit this year. And I think that's a great weapon for him. Uh, you know, I said last year, probably mid season somewhere uh, about that time that don't worry about his free throws. People were really down on his free throws. I said, when he needs to make them, he will. Well, all I have to do is say game six of yes. the NBA finals to, uh, you know, validate that point. And he's doing the same thing again. Uh, you know, his, he changed his style this year. I noticed that obviously everyone has, and I think uh, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but uh, he seems to be uh, better at the free throw line. The Bucks have been a pretty good free throw team because of that. And um, again, when he has to, he's going to make his free throws. I believe that. Before we move on to this season, uh, I have to ask you about ring night. Now, this was a while ago now. Uh, strangely enough, uh, we haven't had an 82-game season for a while, Jim, but it does feel like a long, long time ago opening night uh, against Brooklyn. Uh, but that night for you was awesome. It was obviously great seeing you there. Still probably my favorite photo of the season is, is Giannis coming up to you and giving you the big hug. Uh, I think for anyone that, that cares about the Bucks, that was an awesome moment. But um, for you to be able to be there, uh, to host that, uh, to see everyone so happy, and not just the players and the coaches, but, but the fans and what that meant to them would have been, a, I imagine, a pretty fulfilling experience. Well, it was a great honor and one of the biggest highlights of my career. You, you mentioned the length of the season. seems like yesterday that I was there with uh, hmm. the players for ring night. Uh, the seasons go very quickly when you're not calling games. Kate. So <laughs> that's something that I realized. Uh, that was a wonderful evening. Uh, the joy that I felt on the court, not that I felt personally, but that I sensed and I saw and I witnessed the joy of the players and everyone in the organization that was on the court was remarkable. You know, I'd been around for 35 years. Uh, you don't work for a ring. You work for the opportunity to maybe get a ring someday. And I think that's true from the players, the management, the ownership, everybody who works for the organization. And it finally came true. So there was great joy and every player came up and, you know, it was just, I don't know. I, I didn't even think about what I was doing that night because I was just watching each player and the look on their face when they got their ring and their, thankfulness and gratefulness for being in that position. So it's something I'll never forget. And then when Giannis walked over, he kind of kind of shooed me off a little bit because he wasn't going to speak and didn't want to speak. I think he thought I was going to call him over to say a few words. And then I had to show him the shirt. And, and then he came over and appreciated the moment. Uh, it was a great moment. And uh, I had to pay him back for what happened on uh, the podium after game six in the championship had been won. So uh, it was fun. I think the fans enjoyed that. I've been told uh, quite often that they really enjoyed the moment. So um, I'm done with all of that now and uh, we can move on. But it was it was a wonderful way to wrap up the entire thing with Giannis. 
Yeah, and they're about to start another run now. So it's interesting because when I when I think about this team this year and probably just the general vibe or the general feeling around the team, because I do think last year there was a level of anxiety around what was going to happen. And and we know that they had Miami in the first round, which caused some people some concern about how that series was going to play out. But this year, and I felt it right through the season, clearly there's been some coasting. Clearly, they haven't always been as locked in as perhaps they would want to be throughout the entire regular season. But part of that just feels like, well, they understand the journey now. They understand the length of a regular season. And they do seem to just have a confidence that you would expect from a championship team. Well, that's what I've been watching since day one of the season because I've seen it happen before. Teams change after they win a championship and... What we saw last season was a product, in my opinion, of two years ago when they were beaten by Detroit in four straight games and got it handed to them, uh, you know, and they, they learned from that. Uh, that. That period of time, I was watching that very closely. Were they going to learn from it? Were they going to remember it? Were they going to not let that happen again? And last year, I saw a sense of purpose that I hadn't seen before. Now, this year, after winning the championship, you have to watch to see when that sense of purpose, well, first of all, is it there? How does it surface? When is it used? How is it used? And is there too much confidence? So I think everything's in order. I don't see too much confidence. I saw a tough start to the season. Obviously, it was a quick turnaround. You have to factor that in, too. And, um, you know, this whole thing is when you get to this level, it's mental and it's about how you're focused. Um, The only concern I had down the stretch, I, I was I did pay attention to the seating because I think even if you're the champion, it's advantageous to have as many home games as possible, particularly when you have a strong Eastern Conference as we do this year. So uh, I would have preferred as many home games, you know, coming up for the Bucks in the playoffs as they could manage. Uh, the third seed's fine. You know, they, they can beat people regardless. But uh, I'll be watching to see how focused they are. And, you know, you need to win those home games. You can't let the wrong home games get away. All right, we'll come back to that because I think the end of the season was was interesting with all the teams trying to figure out who was going to play uh, when and where. Uh, first, Jim, this is this is part of the show now. I've got to mention now uh, sponsors, and the first one is BetOnline.net, <laughs> which is your number one source for all the betting stats and sports info. And by the way, uh, I have in front of me here the odds that you can get on BetOnline.net for NBA Finals MVP. Now, Devin Booker is the favorite for Finals MVP. Now, obviously, Phoenix have had an incredible season so far this year, but Giannis is on the second line uh, there as well. So if you think the Bucs are going to have a long playoff run and you think if they get to the NBA Finals, you would suspect that Giannis might be the player uh, in the box seat to win NBA Finals MVP. You can find uh, those odds at betonline.net. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn learn more about the trends in action. That's BetOnline, uh, where the game starts. Do you miss the ads, Jim? Do you miss the ad reads that you you do? You, you, have you heard Marcus? Uh, he was he had a sing along, uh, do a yes. looper. I think he was. Yeah, I you know Marcus is the best. I love him. <laughs> Whatever he does makes me laugh, and I learn from him every time I listen. You know, while you were just doing uh, that ad, my mind was racing back to the beginning of my career, right up until the end, because uh, you know we didn't talk about what you just talked about. That was yes. you know verboten for years. And that's probably the biggest change in my career. Uh, now, you know, it's fine. I'm cool with that. And, uh, you know, everybody else is. It 
it's amazing how the world changes and uh, you go full circle. And I'll guarantee you there are a lot of people who do what I did in the NBA that are going, oh, you know, what? how do I handle this? What do I do? I was told forever. And we had to take, you know, and sign off on never talking about those subjects. So <laughs> I didn't mind it at all, but it, but it is interesting uh, how the world changes over time. Yeah, and I will say um, here in Australia, like particularly sports betting has been, you could just do it on your mobile phone for like the last decade, 15 years. So it, sure, going, sure. To, going to the US, it's uh, starting to catch on a little bit now. Now, me personally, I don't know if I'm supposed to say this, but me personally, I don't like losing money, so it's not for me. But uh, but it's a big uh, it's a big industry, Jim. The end of the uh, the end of the regular season. So you touched on it. So uh, I guess the team that's been sort of hovering around the lower ends of the standings in terms of playoff seeding was Brooklyn. Now uh, we saw them win this playing game yesterday against Cleveland, but ultimately the Bucks. And of course, they could have lost that game against Cleveland. But by not playing any of those starters, they basically put themselves in a position where it was probably more likely that they were going to be the three seed. Uh, How did you view that? Because if you remember back to last season, they had a game against Miami, which they could have done the same thing. And they said, screw it. We're going to beat you in the regular season. And then we're going to face you in the postseason, even though most people were saying that was a bad decision. You see... I'm an old man now, and that's the way I was raised. You know, you go at it right between the eyes every day, right? But there are other considerations. I will not criticize any decision that was made. And I had a thought this week that I hadn't considered. In fact, it was this morning at breakfast. We were talking about this very subject, and I said, you know, in the old days, a first-round series against Chicago had financial implications because – Tickets, you know, didn't fly off the shelf like they do today. And Chicago fans would come up and it would be, you know, a better situation financially in the first round. Uh, Now, of course, it's different. It's tougher to get a ticket. There's not an issue with that uh, as much, if at all. I don't know that because I'm not there on a daily basis. But I suspect that, uh, uh, you know, they don't have to rely on opponent fans to, uh, to sell out the building anymore with a championship team. So, you know, there's all kinds of things to uh, consider there. Um, in my perfect world, you just you, you go at every game as if it's uh, the last game you're going to play and you take your chances. Uh, it worked last year. I don't think it's a big deal this year. Um, it, you know, it might buy a little time and might buy some days off if uh, the series doesn't get extended. Uh, and that's a good thing. Uh, you can prepare then for a tough second round matchup in all likelihood. So um, I don't have a problem with it at all, to be honest with you. And the people that are making those decisions uh, have far more knowledge of why they're doing it than I ever will. So, Well, look, I, I also am someone who gets a little paranoid about you know, last game. It, not that it was would have been a meaningless game, but a game where you know it's a two-seed or a three-seed. A few hours later, I'm watching Luka Doncic go off the floor with a calf injury, and I'm like, okay, you know, that is the last thing any team needs at this point. That is true. That's the big consideration, and that's the fail-safe on uh, that decision. Obviously, uh, you don't want anyone to get hurt, and you don't want specific people to get hurt. So uh, I can understand all of that, and that's why I say that's a decision that is made by people that are uh, a lot smarter than I am. So Bucks and Bulls, and uh, I've mentioned this a couple of times this week just because it's a, it's, a, it's a memory of mine, but my first trip to Milwaukee and the first Milwaukee game I ever saw live was uh, game three. I went to game three, four, and six of Bucks and Bulls back in 2015. 
And when you talk ah, about so you, you saw the tackle then. Oh, I saw the tackle. And uh <laughs> and I've told this story before, Jim, but so but I'm sure people haven't heard it. Uh so game six, I was at that point, and we all were, I think there was a feeling, and you could feel it in the city that the Bucks were down 2-0. They started to get this momentum. Game five was a great win on the road. Uh, there was there was a, a feeling that they were going to uh, oh, sorry, they were down 3-0, but there was a feeling that they were going to force a game seven. And so I uh, was supposed to fly home the day after game six. And in my head, I was like, well, I can't do that. I'm going to have to go down to Chicago for if there's a game seven. So I've extended my, uh, I've tried to extend my flights, change my flights. I'm on the phone back to Australia. And by the time I got a phone call to say that my flight and my trip had been extended, it was halftime of game six. The Bucks were down by 45 points or something like that. And there wasn't going to be a game seven anyway, but I, st- I spent an extra two days in Milwaukee, which was nice. <laughs> yeah, I just uh, was thinking about that, that series, Giannis, uh, you know, and Mike Dunleavy. Uh, I remember that vividly. I just took a little peek over to my left in the corner by the Bucks bench and happened to see Dunleavy, you know, give him a really tough shot. And then go down the court and Giannis just, uh, you know, ran 50 yards and took him out on the sidelines and put him in the first row and then was suspended for game one of the next season. Now, in retrospect, uh, Giannis was a young man and, you know, you shouldn't be doing that in an NBA playoff game, I suppose. But he showed us a little bit about his spirit with that situation, didn't he? And he he showed us that he's not going to take anything from anybody. And now you extrapolate that out all these years and you go, oh, okay, I see now what was inside of him and, and how he's going to react. And, you know, he does it in a different way now and he, he, he controls himself, but uh, that was raw and it was revealing. And this is something we've learned about Giannis along the way as well. As you pointed to, obviously loyalty is what is a big thing. And if throughout that series, there was multiple incidents with Michael Carter Williams and, and Dunleavy. And that was the final straw as you pointed to. And he said, right, listen, if you right. keep picking on, my my brother, who, by the way, Michael Carter-Williams, several years older than Giannis, and Giannis was still like, I'm not letting you get away with that. There was something, I think, for even though the Bucks lost the game very badly, there was something endearing about that that I think people already loved Giannis, but when they saw that, they said, okay, this is a guy that you want around for the long term. Well, we couldn't get too excited about it because you, again, shouldn't be uh, taking people out and throwing them into the first <laughs> yes. row like that. But, you know, you're right. He, he had watched uh, Dunleavy who is a feisty player. And, you know, Mike, of course, had been in Milwaukee, so he knew him well. And, uh, you know, when he was with the Bucks, you didn't see all the things he did. But when he was with the opponents like Indiana and Chicago, you saw everything that he did. And, uh, you know, Giannis had watched that. And then Dunleavy, you know, I don't know why he popped Giannis, but he got him pretty good in the corner. And I'm not sure very many people saw that. But, you know, based on that hit, I wasn't surprised Giannis did what he did. But in retrospect, it's kind of an interesting moment. And this year will be interesting. I mean, the Bucs have certainly historically over the last three or four seasons have really dominated the Bulls. And it's been the same case this year in the regular season. But uh, there was the the Grayson Allen uh, incident, Jim, that's added a little bit of spice to this as well. Now, I think credit to Grayson Allen because the first time they played after that incident, I thought he was a little bit cautious Perhaps it was on his mind, which makes perfect sense. But in the two games that we've seen since, he's like, look, I'm going to put the ball on the floor. I'm going to get into the paint. I'm going to score at the rim. And I think he's handled it really well. I think he has too. And uh, in preparing to talk with you today, I was thinking about that. Now, if the Bucks come out and dominate Chicago and they go up 
two yeah. nothing or three nothing, you get into game four and Chicago is going to play golf when they're done. It might get a little chippy. Uh, you know, they they might bring that back. You know, you never know. Uh, the playoffs are a different animal and all kinds of things can happen. But uh, that'll be in the back of my mind, uh, you know, depending on how this series goes. All right. So we're nearly uh, heading into summer, Jim, which means that uh, you're going to need some sunglasses, which means uh, that you should go to our friends at Shady Rays, Jim. She raises an independent sunglass company that gives you the features of 200 bucks sunglasses for a fraction of the price. That means polarized lenses, well-constructed, durable frames, and premium high-end finishes. Also, something you won't find anywhere else is Shady Ray's insane protection program. Uh, I'm always losing or breaking sunglasses, Jim. It's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a trademark of mine. Uh, but if you lose them or break them, they'll uh, replace them uh, with nothing to pay. It's as simple as that. Plus, 10 meals are donated to fight hunger in America when you shop with Shady Rays exclusively for our listeners. You can head to ShadyRays.com, use the code Locked On to get 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. So ShadyRays.com, go check it out, Jim. Uh, but as we continue the conversation with the Bulls, so as I said, I think most people have viewed this as a favorable uh, matchup, but... The Bulls, really, for the first half of the season, had a remarkable run. They were better than advertised defensively. A number of injuries uh, obviously changed the course of their season. But where do you see the biggest advantage for the Bucs in this series against Chicago? Because they are heavy favorites. Well, before that, I'm I'm digging that 50% off on Shady yes, Rays. Do they come in right. bifocals? Do they make bifocals? I need well, bifocals. Uh, I'll have to talk I'll have to talk with my people. But for you, Jim, I think they could definitely do so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Chicago ran out of gas. Uh, that was a pretty good basketball team all year. And, uh, you know, I, I think they just ran out of gas. They have some injuries. But uh, in, in looking at the Bulls, I thought they turned it around very well. But I also understood that they didn't have a lot of playoff experience with this group. And I didn't think that they would be a deep playoff threat. And then I saw them run out of gas uh, down the stretch. Uh, and so we'll see what's left. Now, you know, it, you won't hear me predicting – Four game sweeps. I don't do that because I just think that's too risky in the NBA. Uh, it's hard to sweep a team, uh, but I don't think this would be a very deep series. To be honest with you, uh, it could go five, it, four or five would be uh, where I would think this would go. But uh, you know, Chicago, they don't shoot a lot of threes, but when they shoot them, they make them. So if they get hot one night and they're prolific with it, you know, they could maybe give the Bucks a little trouble in one game. But uh, I don't, I don't see it going too deep. So one of the players I wanted to ask you about was Bobby Portis because I, I think if we went back to the start of uh, the previous season, I don't think that there was anyone who could have possibly predicted the impact that he was going to have. I mean, he was a, he was always been talented, but he'd been on on bad teams. And I remember on this show we were discussing the absolute best case scenario, what we thought, and I still don't think it was anywhere near what he's been able to produce. And when you think about this year with Brook Lopez, we mentioned opening night then he's on the shelf for 60-plus games. He's had to carry a serious load for this team, and uh, clearly he's become one of the most popular players. Uh, but what what do you enjoy about Bobby Portis? Because he has become a, a tremendous player for this team. Well, this is interesting because you're asking me questions that I thought you might ask. And when it comes to Bobby Portis, what I think about all the time is the fact that, and he would have to answer this, and I would like to ask him, and maybe you can someday, but I would ask him, how did Giannis's support last year help you get to this point? Because when I talk to Giannis, 
he would never let me forget about Bobby Portis. He would always say, don't forget Bobby Portis. Don't forget Bobby Portis. So he was a Bobby Portis guy. And I think when Giannis brings you along like that and ingratiates you into the team and welcomes you, that leads to really good things. And obviously Portis has had the perfect skill set with this team. So I think those are the two things. Um, You know, he was up and down when he was playing elsewhere prior to coming to Milwaukee was, you know, that was it. Uh, Lack of consistency probably. But uh, I think with Giannis bringing him along and and being on his side uh, and then just letting him flourish with his skill set, somebody had a really good idea of putting him with this team because it's been pretty amazing how well he has fit. And then he takes less money to stay here. So that tells me that he likes how he's treated here. And, uh, you know, I I want people to understand that I think that part of that is the way Giannis treated him and and brought him into the group. I'm glad you brought it back to you. And others, of course. That's right. But I'm glad you brought it back to Giannis because this is something that uh, this was one of the, the biggest takeaways, and I tell people, and they ask about Giannis, and I say, "Well, I was only from a from a distance, but you know, you get to be in the locker room and those types of things." And I remember it with players like Thon Maker, my Aussie friend Thon Maker. I remember it with with Christian Wood and a, and a bunch of other guys that were maybe the fourteenth, fifteenth player on the roster. And Giannis is always talking to them, always encouraging them, always making them feel welcome. And I haven't been close to another team like uh, I spent the time around around the Bucks. But it just it feels so uh, unnatural that that a superstar player like that makes a, a constant effort to talk to everyone, the role players, the guys at the bottom of the locker room, and and in many respects it sums up the entire Bucks locker room. But it's special, and I think that is a good point you make. And I don't think we should think that. How do I want to say this? He brings people along that he thinks he should bring along, and that mm-hmm. he thinks deserve to be brought along. I don't think he does that falsely. Yes. There have been players where he's not going to prop up somebody who's not going to be worthy of being propped up. Okay. Is that a fair way to say that? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, he, he, I, I, have, I have no names. I have, you know, I, I, no. I know it's happened and, and I wouldn't give the names anyway, but I, you know, I, I think that's a leader. I don't think leaders, I think leaders bring people up, they pull them up and I don't think they pull up people that, you know, they shouldn't pull up. So uh, Giannis is, Right down the, right down the center on that one. Yeah, that's uh the, the that that is a topic we have discussed in previous times as well with with different players that have been in and out of the team. Uh, one of the guys that did return this year, Wesley Matthews, and now uh, looms as playing a pretty important role when you think about the defensive side of the ball. And of course, the easy uh, the easy comparison to make is PJ Tucker because he played that kind of defensive role. But Wes is going to have those matchups. I assume that he's probably going to defend one of DeRozan or Levine, probably DeRozan in this series. Moving forward, if they play Brooklyn, I'm sure he's going to spend a lot of time on Kevin Durant. So it's been fun to see Wes come back, uh, but now uh, it's going to get pretty serious for him in this starting role. Well, Wes is one of those Swiss Army Knife guys, and he can do everything. Um, You know, P.J. Tucker, defense, yes. Wes, defense, yes. Um, I kind of think of Dante DiVincenzo and the way he flew around the court when I think of Matthews because Wes does that. He's very active and he kind of has that Dante situation where he's flying all over the place and therefore effectively defensively. Now you mentioned DeRozan. He may defend him, but you know who's going to be on him 
whenever he's on the court, and that's Drew Holiday, right? Yes. Because yes. when he's defended DeRozan, Chicago's offensive rating is six points below the lowest team's offensive rating in the NBA. Matthews may get a few pops on DeRozan, but it's going to be Drew Holiday, and that'll be a key matchup to watch in this whole thing. So this is, uh, as we sort of get to the end of this, this is a question. This was just something I was thinking about last night, so I'm just going to throw this randomly at you. I'm not sure if this is something you've ever thought about. Uh, but obviously this last four years for the Bucks has been special. And when you talk about, we, you know, we were both there, you're obviously a massive part of Marcus when he got his jersey retired. But uh, ultimately we know that whenever it's done, hopefully uh, not for a long, long, long time, Giannis will have his jersey up in the rafters. I would assume, I don't know if you feel the same way, I think Chris Milton will uh, for the championship and the cumulative numbers that he's going to have with the franchise and he's been there for a long time, I think he will. Uh, one guy, I don't know if he's going to have his jersey retired, but I just think has been underappreciated throughout this whole four-year period is the big fella, Brooke Lopez. And because when he signed, again, he was discarded by the Lakers, Jim. They, they didn't even want Brooke Lopez. And the Bucks said, okay, come in, big fella. We'll have you start at the five. And he's been such a critical piece to being able to play the defense that Mike Budenholzer wanted to play. And from day one, the Bucks went from a sketchy defensive team to literally the number one defensive team. Uh, we've seen what he's done in big playoff games offensively as well. I'm just not sure that he gets the credit he deserves from the outside. Well, I don't in Milwaukee, he does. Yes, he does. And I, however, even here, sometimes I think people forget about him a little bit because everything is the big three, you know, and uh, you can't ever forget what Brooke Lopez does. Uh, and I always remind people, of another time in Bucks basketball when Jack Sigma was the center fielder defensively for the Bucks, and Alvin Robertson was out front and he could go crazy out there and he led the league in steals because he had Sigma behind him. Well, it's the same thing. Brooke Lopez allows other people, Matthews, Holiday, Holiday's going to defend no matter what, but they still can defend differently with Lopez and Giannis back defending the rim, which is the number one priority defensively, defend the basket. So, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's very critical that Brooke Lopez is on the court. Uh, you know, when it comes to retiring numbers, there's a lot of things that goes into that and length of service. And, you know, if they win another championship or two, uh, you know, it'll be a different conversation with all of these guys. But uh, I hope I'm alive to see it. <laughs> well, uh, this next few weeks is going to be fun. I, I'm still... I haven't ruled out coming back for some playoff games, Jim. It's still on my agenda once the Australian basketball season finishes in about a month's time. How far uh, do they have to go before you think about coming back? Well, they have I'll to tell get you, to the to the conference finals. Yes. Well, the Australian. So I've got work commitments back here, but the Australian basketball season finishes around conference finals time. So if the Bucks are in the conference finals time, I think I'll be free. So. You know, I have something in my den that's new since I talked to you last. I have an Australian football that was sent to me from uh, the Adelaide Crows. Oh, my goodness. See, I mean, I, I mean, I really don't and, like it. And some team gear. I mean, it's amazing. I mean, things change, right, over time. So I mean, what I'll do I need to know about the Adelaide Crows? Well, you need to know that I don't like them, first of all. Okay, uh, okay. I'm glad I brought it up then. <laughs> <laughs> no, they are. Oh, okay, let's get to the bottom of this. Where has this come from, Jim? Please tell me. Why have you got Adelaide Crow stuff? How did this come about? It's a good story. When, uh, you know, years ago, a, a lady from Australia was traveling 
a young woman and a friend, and they were they wanted to meet Andrew Bogut, and uh, I was able to uh, tell Andrew that they were from Australia and they were coming to watch Bucks basketball, and she stayed in contact with me. She was in New York years later and just said hello. And she just went to work for the Adelaide Pros, and she said, I want to send you some stuff. So I get a box <laughs> from Australia, and uh, your arch rival or the team you hate is the team now that I have to support. So I apologize for that, sort of. Well, one thing I will say, it's not there's nothing personal with Adelaide, but I just hate every team other than my team, which is Geelong, <laughs> which, which, by the way, Jim, uh, Suki Hobson, who you know and still plays in a, a very, very important role within the Milwaukee Bucks franchise, she worked at Geelong uh, for a long time, which was always, always fun. She worked alongside my heroes, Jim, in Geelong. So, well, I hate to say it, but go Crows. <laughs> I think Geelong plays Adelaide soon, so I'll have to, we'll have to, we'll have to make sure you can, you find a way uh, to watch that there. But uh, yes, I, I think uh, you weren't like, expecting that, were you? Well, I, I'm I'm glad you brought it up though, because that is that is, that is. <laughs> when you said you had something in your den, I was looking behind you and I can see a Bucks jersey, but I can't see what number that is. That that framed jersey behind you is that? Oh, there's a story with that too. That's Charlie Villanueva's jersey, and uh, we were at Andrew Bogut's uh, fundraiser for the wildfire situation in Australia years ago, and uh, no one had bid on on Charlie's jersey. So I put a bid in. I guess I was the only one, and I, I got a bid. I never got autographs, but that was also the year that he became or was credited with being the first professional player to use Twitter during a game. Yes, yes. And so he signed that, and it said, Twitter me at, not tweet me, it was Twitter me at. And so I have uh, kind of a unique piece back there. He's He signed that based on uh, the first professional player to use Twitter during a game yes for those that aren't aware you can uh very easily find a, a photo or a screenshot of this online of this tweet uh, jim it was something like coach isn't happy uh gotta play harder in the second half or something like that literally at yes. halftime yes right right now i mean if i were to reveal everything you know i don't know for sure if he authored that tweet or not but he's credited with it so um I might have to sell that to uh, Twitter someday. We'll now that Elon Musk is, uh, you know, a big investor with Twitter, maybe he'll, uh, maybe he'd like something like that. I don't know. Not that I want to sell it, but you never know. Oh, that's right. And before we do go, I will say there is, uh, it's, it's been kind of nice being out in Australia and working this Australian basketball season because I live in Melbourne, Jim, and Matthew Dallavadova is playing in Melbourne this season. Uh, in Sydney, Chase Buford is the head coach. Jalen Adams is probably about to win the MVP. So there's a, there's a lovely that's Milwaukee awesome. Bucks connection over here, Jim, which is uh, which Oh, that's great. Nice. Well, have you seen them? Have yes, you been able yeah. to go to games? Yeah, yeah. Give yeah. them my so, regards. Yeah. I absolutely will. I'll see Daly on the weekend, actually, at, at one of their games. So I'll uh, I'll say uh, Mr. Jim says hello, uh, Daly. Yes. So. Please no, do. It, it's been a pleasure, Jim. Uh, like I said, when I text you, I should have known that you would reply straight away and say, yes, let's do this. Um, but it's always nice and... I haven't seen you for a long time, so it's been great to catch up. Well, I hope that you are able to come back, and uh, I hope it's for the conference finals, and then you can just stay for the finals. That'd be awesome. That would be perfect. I've never been to an NBA finals game, and uh, if they're in the finals this year, I want to see it live. I don't want to be on my couch in Australia. So that's the plan, Jim. We'll see We'll see how it, uh, how it all plays out. But obviously, everyone knows Jim Paschke. I'm sure you might see him floating around during the playoffs at some stage there as well. So... Uh, that would be lovely. 
Well, get back to me on Shady Rays in that uh, Bible. <laughs> this is why I get Jim up because he's a professional. He knows how to work the sponsors. This man is an absolute pro, and that's why we love him.